0: You're listening to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Join us as we learn from successful firefighters and fire service leaders on how to achieve excellence. When lives depend on us, success is our only option. Hello, hello, everyone. We are back at it with another Firefighter Success Podcast episode. As always, I am your host and the author of Firefighter Success, Jim Moss. David Hesselmeyer started in the emergency services in 1997. He holds certifications such as North Carolina Firefighter Level 2, Advanced Firefighter Rescue Technician, Hazardous Materials Level 1 Responder, EMT Paramedic, Executive Emergency Management Coordinator, and Certified Emergency Manager. Currently, David volunteers with the Buies Creek Fire Rescue as a firefighter EMT is an adjunct instructor at Campbell University in the Homeland Security program and speaks at state and national conferences. David is also a contributing writer for the Carolina Fire Rescue Journal and also Fire Engineering Magazine. And lastly, he is the president and CEO of On Target Preparedness, an all hazards emergency services consulting company located in North Carolina. Learn more at ontargetprep.com. David, welcome to the Firefighter Success Podcast. So glad you're here. Well, thank you, brother. I sincerely
1: appreciate the opportunity to come on and uh, share what knowledge I have and, and try to help
0: others. All right, man. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Let's get rolling. And thanks again for coming on. So here's my favorite question for everyone that I like to ask. And now it's your turn. You're in the hot seat now. So how do you personally define success and how do you recommend we go about achieving it?
1: Well, I knew that was the question being a, a faithful listener. I, I knew that was coming. And uh, so I, I, I tried to think about it and think about it. The more I thought about the answer, the more I got confused in some ways and the more <laughs> clearer it came out in other ways. Uh-huh. And so, you know, looking at success is, is the accomplishment or, Uh, achieving something. And to me, I guess I'm always internalizing things. And for me, success is measured by being better tomorrow than I am today. And you have to, you know, to do that, you have to achieve. And that doesn't mean you have to be leaps and bounds better. Um, Just, you know, I I like to call it the 1% uh, principle is just I. I really want to be one percent better tomorrow than I am today in something, and that's something we can do in personal lives. To even on the job, um, we can we can fight for. And there's there's plenty of areas for us to to work on that and, and be successful. At just constantly being better.
0: I love that. So constantly improving, being that one percent better every day, and and making sure that we're better tomorrow than we are today. And uh, you know, I love that growth mindset. That's what all successful people possess: is, is that they're not satisfied with the way they are, you know, today and yesterday. They want to keep growing because they know that there's something more to give, something more to learn. Um, and, and like you said right before we hopped on the podcast when we were just chatting, you know, you you said you just exist to to help people, right? And I love that that mindset. Uh, you are, uh, and we're going to talk about on target prep, but you have your company so that you can help others. And that's the entire point of it. And that's what we try and do here at Firefighter Success. Um, and it's uh, it's for me, you know, it's all about giving others what we can give. And, and if we do that every day, then we're definitely going to be improving ourselves. We're going to be constantly growing and, and hopefully becoming that 1% better every day. Would you agree with that? Absolutely.
1: I mean, one of the things that really hurts my soul, if you will, is when you know that there's people in our departments that have tons of information and tons of knowledge and experience, and you see them just hold all that information in knowing that Hmm. there's a a load of new recruits that would just die. I'm I'm in a unique situation. Uh, My oldest daughter Reagan is 14 and she actually just became a junior firefighter in our department about two months ago. And, you know, there's a group of them that, um, that just came in at the same time and you see all these juniors and they're spending time at the firehouse. And, you know, there, there's those two classifications of people, if you will, there's the ones who, you know, just, they want to give everything they can to them. They're just like, I'm an open book. Let me give you this information. Let me share my experiences. And then there's the others who want to to hide it for some reason. And uh, it just really makes me feel good when I see those that are, are taking the effort to, to, to really share information. Because my belief is, is we are where we're at right now, you know, this far into our careers. I don't want people that I'm working with to start where I started. I want them to start where I'm at now because they can learn from me and all my successes and all my failures so they can start farther on and and, and more advanced than I ever have been. Um, Mm. And and that's, you know, and, and it's really only helps us when we're helping others. It's building us. You know, up higher.
0: Yep, to become better every day, and and I'll add one another frustration that I have personally. You said, you know, one of your frustrations is that we have these people with all this experience and knowledge not passing it on. Right? They're holding on to it. But another frustration of mine is when we see people with all the knowledge um, at a certain level, and you know they can grow, you know that that they can get better, uh, but they choose to be lazy and not grow. They they have way more potential to them. But they're satisfied with being mediocre. That's one of my frustrations that I'll add to, add to your frustration. Uh, but if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're not one of those individuals, and you're you're someone who uh, is the embodiment of of the growth mindset in, in firefighter success. Uh, so, like David said, you know, if you have something to offer, keep pouring into other people keep building them up as we say. And as we we read in the Bible, you know, iron sharpens iron. Uh, Mm -hmm. So offer what you can offer and let other people build you up and sharpen you.
1: If you don't mind, one thing I want to add, because I think you made some great points there is, you know, I'm honored and blessed to have been able to teach at FDIC and, and to, you know, write for fire engineering and things of that nature. But, and and a lot of people look up to that and and I'm very honored. I, I sometimes wonder what i've done to to get that honor but you know it's it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be some grandiose thing you know just taking the time and caring about that one new recruit that one junior firefighter you know it's it's miraculous when you see that happening something so simple yeah. Uh, so, you know, I uh, had one time somebody came up to me and said, "I, you know, how did I do this? How did I get where I'm at with with, you know, sharing my message? And I said, start with a person, mm-hmm. find somebody who needs and wants to learn who is passionate and then keep on going from there. Um, things will happen from there and you may not get to the the national stage if you will but it doesn't matter because that one person you've impacted positively
0: it may make or
1: break their career or their life
0: mm. Mm, I love that. And, and like you said, it doesn't have to be writing an article in fire en- engineering, which is, you know, the world's largest firefighter publication. It doesn't have to be teaching at, at FDIC, the world's largest firefighter conference. It can be just offering what you can offer, you know, teaching a fellow firefighter, a junior firefighter, a rookie, a probie, you know, how to tie knots, how to set up a, mm-hmm. a rope system, how to set up, you know, the hose right for the right deployment, just small things Uh, That's what's really important uh, is making sure whatever you can offer, even if you only have a year on the job, making sure that you pour into others and offer what you can offer. Uh, So you've been in the emergency services since 1997, as we mentioned before. So what would you say is the most important lesson that you have learned during your time in the emergency services?
1: Well, that's another that's another difficult question. I mean, <laughs> I like asking these time. questions. So <laughs> you you always dive into the deep, uh, deep, thoughtful, thought provoking questions. That's um, right. You know, I would have to say that the biggest thing that I've learned is that the whole is more valuable than the individual. Mm. And I, I guess that what I mean by that is. You know, our department, we're blessed. We have approximately uh, 15 full or part-time career staff uh, supplemented by about 45 volunteers. And each person together uh, is very strong. We come together. We make a very strong department. Mm. Uh, We have our successes. We have our weaknesses. Sure. But we are so much stronger and more capable than just an individual. And so we've got to look, I guess the easiest way to say it is firefighting is a team sport. Yeah. There's no way one person can do it. It's, it's impossible. Um, there's people that I know in my department that are 10 times better than me in you know, in technical rescue. And there's times that I'm better than them in something else. But if yeah. you start putting four, you know, good quality firefighters together, the likelihood is that they all have skills that they're bringing to the table that make the team better. And that's why we all should just, again, try to get that one percent better uh, because we're one percent, maybe 10 percent for the team.
0: Yep. Yep. And I love that you said it's not just about the individual. I mean, yes, you have to know your own skills and you have to. Build yourself up uh, with technical knowledge, didactic training and and knowledge, and and you have to make sure that you as an individual can do the job. That that goes without saying. But we also, like you said, have to have this mindset that we can't be the lone wolf. We can't be the lone ranger. We are part of, of a team and we are part of a whole that operates together. And like you said, it's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. We're not playing golf here. <laughs> uh, right. You know, we're, right. we're, we're a football team. We all have our own specialties and things that we're good at. Um, someone might be more of the quarterback. Someone might be more of the uh, tight end, wide receiver, what have you. We all have different specialties and we need to come together and offer those specialties uh, and our expertise in our own way. So it can help the entire team be better. Um, and because when it all boils down to it, it comes down to service, right? And and it comes Absolutely. down to, you know, helping those who we signed up and we took the oath to help, right? Our citizens mm-hmm. and, and those we serve. Um, so yes, amen, amen. It's not about us. It's about the team and it's about the citizens. It's about them uh, as we have heard before. And
1: I think that's one of the things where we, we really have to really when it comes to one of the things I love to talk about is is recruitment and retention is, is we've got to start working with our, you know, our newer recruits and stuff like that and really getting back to the family type mentality in the fire service. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I like to stop by firehouses and, you know, I pay attention and, and watch how things operate and you see those departments that just, they, they, they're, they're family that's just the bottom line, you know, whether it's a, you know, a truck and an engine or uh, an engine and battalion chief or however Mm -hmm. it works out, you just can see, and there's that mentality. And then you can go into other places where, you know, it's, it's child time and, you know, four or five people on the truck and they're all over the building, not eating together, not doing anything. Um, And that's, that's not beneficial. I, I try to, you know, hardcore, you know, preach that, you know, we do life together. This yeah. is this is something we do. We rely on each other for our safety and, and, and getting the job done to protect the citizens. Uh, and we've just got to do it together and start, you know, we start with spending time at the firehouse together. And if we're not doing it together, then we're probably not going to operate as well on the fireground together.
0: Yep. Yep. That's the truth. Uh, and, and when we spend uh, time together and as we may have heard before, you know, what, if we're talking about children, we're talking about building relationships, how do you spell love? It's actually T I M E spending time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. with each other. And that's how, uh, what you are getting to is building that culture, right? That family tight knit culture, that family mindset that every fire department and especially every crew needs to have, um, at the small unit level, so if you don't mind, let's dive a little bit deeper into recruitment and retention. Uh, you mentioned it briefly, but, um, you know, explain uh, for those listening who aren't familiar with it, what is recruitment and retention? Why is it so criti- critically important? And how have you seen it change and and morph over the past few decades?
1: Absolutely. So I think that post-COVID, we're even at a, a stranger place when it comes to recruitment and retention. Um, but basically, recruitment and retention is in short the human resources of our departments. And that could be career, it can be volunteer. Uh, yeah. Because the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, we, we still do the same job and we still have to recruit and retain uh, people to do it. So, uh, recruitment is the process of, of soliciting people to apply to become a member. Uh, of our department and kind of giving them uh, an understanding of it and retaining them is those items that we do, those actions that we do to keep them engaged and keep them uh, interested in in staying in place. And it used to be, in my opinion, that uh, volunteering was, was something that you had to fight harder for, Uh, especially the recruitment side, but really in this post COVID world, uh, you know, it's getting harder and harder to even recruit on the career side. Right. Uh, I've, I've, I've looked at, you know, you look at a lot of large municipal departments and, you know, they used to would have, you know, one testing center every three years. And now they're having two a year to try to, to keep up. And, um, and, and it's important because, again, we, we've got to have these members to, to do our jobs. And, uh, you know, whether there's 10 of us or there's 50 of us, you know, we've we've pledged that oath, like you mentioned before, and we've got to be able to do it in some form or fashion. And we need to be able to do it the best of our ability. So um, we definitely need to keep that going. And if we don't constantly recruit and retain individuals in this service, our departments are going to shrivel up and die, unfortunately. I, mm-hmm. I've seen it happen in North Carolina and several other states I frequent, and you see these smaller departments. And because they don't spend the time in recruiting people, uh, especially in recruiting the younger generations, uh, especially, those departments end up shutting their doors because they can't do it. And they're merged or, or taken over by other departments who can um, so we, we've got to be able to do that and we've got to be able to, to meet the needs of our citizens, uh, in any fashion.
0: Mm, ain't that the truth. And, and so when it comes to successful R R efforts, I, I, I know you mentioned the family mindset, creating that family culture, that tight knit culture. Is there anything else that, um, departments can do both volunteer and career that they can do to, uh, boost their recruitment and retention efforts?
1: Well, I would say the first thing that a department can do is actually just put time and effort into it. Mm, yeah. I, I I can't say it happens all over the place, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen fire department signs um out front of their facility that says volunteers wanted. And that's all the recruitment that they do. Just right. put it on the sign. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against it being on the sign, but there's more to it there there's definitely more to finding a way to recruiting people so I think that the first thing that we need to do is really spend time looking at the members we have and what keeps them going um, yeah it, it kind of goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we all have different needs and um you know some people may just need that 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 feeling of of being a family in that, um, that joint community. Some people may need to uh, feel like that they're doing something better for the community, Uh, those kind of things and start there and find ways that you can continue that, that going on. Uh, Mm. Like one of the things that I know that my department does that I think is, is really cool is um, every quarter there's a fifth Thursday night. Our meetings are on Thursday nights at seven o'clock. And every time there's a fifth Thursday night, we have a departmental wide um, member-only meal. And Mm. we come together. It's not a required, you know, attendance, but it's basically where all our paid staff, all of our volunteers can all come together, and we just basically eat together and spend time together. And sometimes it's, you know, simple things like hamburgers and hot dogs, and sometimes Uh, the budget allows for better things, but Mm -hmm. it's our department looks at it more as it's getting us together and getting us talking and getting us familiar. Um, But uh, again, I think that the biggest things that departments can do right now is just start putting effort into it and finding, finding what works with keeping people and, you know, asking questions. This is, probably the area where I wish departments would spend more time, especially volunteer departments. And that is find out when you get a new application, find out where that they heard about the fire department needing, you know, volunteers or needing, um, you know, career staff. Where, Where did they get that information? And then also with volunteers and with career do an exit interview. If they're leaving, find out why is it because Of, you know, bad leadership? Is it because they didn't feel like they were making a difference? Is it are they moving out of the district? You know, find those things out, because those are things that that at least 50 percent of the time we can work on those things to fix it. And
0: you have to know about the problem before you can fix it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we define the problem and then we can fix it. And, you know, we've got to we've got to put that effort into place to to be moving in the right direction.
0: Oh, ain't that the truth. And and I know one of the things that you're really passionate about is training. And I'm sure this is one of the things that also relates to recruitment and retention, training our members. Um, so you've you've dedicated a lot of your career to training. You continue to train others and instruct others at multiple levels uh, within your, your city. So why is training so important to you? How can we make it better? And how does it play a role in that recruitment and retention?
1: Surely. Uh, I think training is important. Simply put, I can't can't remember off the top of my head who said it. But but basically we respond the way we train and we are going to be faced with. Being called for just about anything that can happen, Uh, you know, we joke around if it's a criminal situation, they call law enforcement. If, If it's medical, they call UMS. If it's anything else, they're going to call the fire department. (laughs)
0: <laughs> is, and, is that the truth? <laughs> uh,
1: yes, sir. I mean, you know, we've had a couple calls. We run, oh wow, we've run probably about three thousand fire and EMS calls a year. And the last couple of weeks, we've had some calls uh, where I've just been looking at it, going, "Wow, this is this is where we're at right now." Yeah, you know, and it's it's all good nature calls, but we've got to be prepared for all of those things, whether it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, one of the things that we have seen a lot of increases in, in our uh, district is elevator rescues, um, yeah. you know, elevators breaking down and, you know, it's increased because we cover Campbell university in our first do and, and things to that nature, but constantly looking at those patterns and seeing what's new, you know, we got to be ready to go out there, whatever anybody calls for any situation. And, I've always looked at it that I don't want to be arriving on that first in engine or, or ladder get off. They tell us what's going on. And we all look at each other going like, do you know what to do? Cause I don't.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly.
1: (laughs) I mean, I, I, that's not the way I I want Mr. And Mrs. Smith to look at me when I'm going like, I don't know guys, what should we do? Uh, You know? And so, and especially if it's something that we can foresee you know, for example, with the elevator rescues, we started seeing them go up. So we started spending more time training on that because we start seeing if it happens once, it's going to happen again. Yep. And so, you know, we've, we've taken that approach to a lot of things in our um, fire district that if it happens once, we need to sit there and dive more into it um, for that. But training is going to be the measure of how successful we are because it goes back to that 1% again. The more you train, the more you'll learn. I, like you said, I've been in emergency services since 1997, and I still try to attend every training with my department that I can. We had a lot burn um, about a week and a half ago, uh, and I was there. I spent some time uh, doing some ventilation, did some interior tech, and then also took some time with a bunch of our juniors and rookie members of neighboring departments in my department. And just spent time just showing them and, and teaching them, you know, what kind of tools we would need for, you know, this situation and where they could find them and how to read smoke and and things of that nature. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the first one that will believe that I need to continue training and uh, which kind of goes to my pet peeve where you can tell those people who they signed a roster, they get credit for the training, but you never see them lift a finger and actually trying to
0: do their hands are in their pockets, the entire training. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And that, uh, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, I'm not saying that you have to train, you know, every second that, you know, training is open, but I'm, I, you know, I I can tell you a lot of the officers in my department, probably 50% of them have less experience than me and they'll run training and I'll jump right in there and do it. Just like I'm, you know, a first day recruit or whatever, because I guarantee you there's something I'm going to take away from it that I didn't know or at least can, you know, reiterate and, and make something more firm of what I do know.
0: Yep. Yep. And, and there's two two terrible things that you can do going into training. Number one, keep your hands in your pockets the entire time. And number two, go go into uh, training with the mindset that you know it all already. Mm-hmm. Th- those are the two worst things that we can do uh, if we're firefighters going into, into training. Uh, so we mentioned that you're also the president and CEO of On Target Preparedness. So tell everybody what your company does and about the valuable services that you provide everyone.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, so I I started on target preparedness uh, in July of 2011. It's now been almost 12 years. I really can't uh, can't believe it's been that long. Um, mm-hmm. But I started it doing it a couple hours a week. To now, uh, we have 20 full and part time staff members. Um, we are an all hazards emergency services uh, consulting company. So we do services from uh, writing SOPs and SOGs, uh, emergency operations plans. Uh, we do trainings, uh, on everything from, um, fire and EMS related topics, uh, to specialty topics with, uh, emergency management, such as, uh, mass care sheltering. Uh, we work with, um, helping departments write grants, uh, and doing one of my m- more fun things. And that is doing, uh, exercises which are basically putting training into play uh, and seeing how we did with that um, so uh, for example we have a, a full-scale exercise coming up that um, that I'll be leading here in about three months and it's going to involve uh, hazardous materials train derailment and how do we handle uh, some of those chemicals when they are released and, and things to that nature so um you know we love to to make a difference and really just try to try to help those clients and, and such that want to learn more to to build them up and empower them. So uh, should this you know, event, whatever this incident is, happens, that we are prepared and ready to uh, to help them be better at it and, and get that one percent better.
0: And so you do those larger scale incidents that, uh, you know, you're training people in those scenarios. Do you also do the full spectrum of like, you know, basic lower level CPR, just Mm -hmm. just BLS stuff also?
1: Absolutely. We do. Um, We are. Uh, a training site for the American Heart Association with uh, CPR and a lot of those classes. Um, We do uh, departmental level training um, where we can come into, say, an an engine company or an engine and ladder company and do some um, drilling with with those agencies on up to where we've had um, full-scale exercises with, you know, three, four hundred people involved uh, with that. So uh, I I enjoy the big exercises, but when you realize that you're the exercise director and all <laughs> their safety and everything falls in your hands, it's a little bit nerve wracking. So oh, that's, yeah. that's why we use ICS and ICS works.
0: Yep, that's why ICS is, exists for the from the logistical standpoint and also the operational standpoint. So uh, uh, you mentioned grants uh, and, and when you were talking about on target. Uh, so let's talk specifically uh, about them. And uh, so, pretend I don't know anything about grants. Um, I, I'm just new firefighter. I have no idea, and I don't know how they play a huge role uh, in, within fire departments and other uh, public safety organizations. So, uh, explain to me uh, why grants are important, why we need them, and how you can also help with those as well.
1: Absolutely. So, grants, in essence are funds that are given to certain agencies with no expectation of repayment by the department. Uh, so there are generally three agencies that give um, grants to organizations, and that is uh, businesses as uh, one, foundations, Are are the other, and then other specialty organizations, if you will, uh, as the third. Uh, In all honesty, what these grant funding agencies are doing is they're trying to advance interests that they have um, through providing funding. So uh, a lot of grants started at some point with. The research methodology, excuse me, research methodology where we are giving money to people to research something and figure out why it happens or or things to that nature. And that has evolved over time to where um, you see grants available for a wide variety of of organizations uh, and fire departments fit very well in their EMS departments as well. Because most of the agencies, um, fire and EMS agencies, are what's called 501c3 organizations based under the IRS tax code. And mm. that is considered a nonprofit agency. And that is where a lot of these grant funding agencies want to put their money. Uh, and so that's where you start seeing um, grants come about, such as the Assistance to Firefighters Grant Um A lot of of the listeners probably have heard of the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation grant. And so they have a vested interest in the fire service, in EMS, in rescue. And they are um, putting, I guess you say, putting their money where their mouth is and saying, you know, we want to support this. Here's how we do it Uh, now. The problem is, is grants are not something where you just go, "I want money, please give me." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy. No, no, sir. It's it's not that easy, but there is a, a way to be successful at it for sure. And uh, but uh, you know, they're important because it's other options or opportunities to get more funding uh, for our department, such as. Uh, you know, I know one that a lot of people apply to the AFG about is, you know, new SCBAs. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, that is an asset that um, uh, goes bad after so many years and, and, you know, so many hydrostatic tests and things of that nature. Um, It's a way that we're not having to spend our current budget on something that needs to be replaced. Right. Um, And so, it's just a great opportunity to find funding, you know, work hard at trying to get it, um, uh, get successful at it, uh, and, and just increase your department and their abilities. It may be a, a new program where, uh, you know, you want to start a swift water rescue team because you're seeing an increase in, in those calls for service, and uh, you may not have the funding to buy the boat another equipment. So this may be an opportunity of, of how you can get that money and and fund that
0: program. Hmm. And when we're talking specifically about fire departments, can you offer any tips or tricks that, uh, you know, you don't have to give away your entire spiel, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what the services you offer, but could you offer a couple of tips and tricks uh, for helping fire departments, helping firefighters obtain these grants uh, specifically for, you know, training or equipment or anything like that? surely.
1: I would say the first thing is the amount of effort you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Mm, Generally, you're going to see if you put a a proposal together and it took you 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you probably have not done your due diligence and hard work to be able to think that you're going to obtain the funding that you're asking for. So step one, definitely put Put time and effort into it. This is a process that, um, you know, if you put in twenty hours and get a two hundred thousand dollar grant, uh, that's a pretty good return on investment. If you ask me. Yeah. Um, so, uh, second thing is, and being the fact that I've also been responsible for reading and helping organizations decide who will be granted the money. Yeah. Follow directions.
0: <laughs> if it says fill it out in blue pen, fill it out in blue pen. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. It is amazing. You know, one time I wrote a grant for actually it was for a local health department for about sixty five thousand dollars. And it caught me off guard. But it said to staple the bottom right hand corner of the the document when it uh-huh. was complete. Not I've Not the top seen, left, not the top no, right. But the, the bottom right. And I, I i mean, I read it. I looked at it, at, you know, multiple times. And that's what it said. You know, and we got the grant. Now, do I think that we may <laughs> not have gotten the grant if I had stapled it otherwise? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but it, it always reminds me of the story of. Um, Van Halen, I believe it was when in their contracts, they always said that they wanted so many bags of m ms but like, I think the green ones had to be taken out. And <laughs> it wasn't because they were being picky. Yeah. They were just saying, if you were, you know, tight enough that you were going to focus on that request, how silly it was and uh-huh. all the bigger stuff is going to be in place. And yeah. so my, my tip with that party is before you submit the grant, read back through the directions one last time and check it off, you know, blue pen check, you know, uh staple in the top left corner check and just make sure all those directions are followed because they can get you kicked out really quick.
0: So, uh, so not following the instructions uh, is one of the biggest mistakes that, that people can make. Are there any other big mistakes that people make?
1: I would, I would say there's two of them that I would see. And, One is turning stuff in late, Mm. thinking that it's going to be considered. And sometimes it may be considered, but I would say nine times out of ten, it's going to quickly make itself into the immediately rejected pile. Um, The second one is um, I've never seen a term for it. I have personally started calling it poor mouthing. And Uh. that is we're poor. We don't make a lot of money for Department, we don't have the abilities, we can't ask for more money, and that's not what these grant funding agencies are wanting to hear because most of the stuff we have in the fire service requires maintenance. You know, just, we mentioned SCBAs. Well, the bottles have to be um, tested so often. Well, if I'm going to buy you these air packs and you don't have the money to keep them up or anything, why don't I want to buy you air packs that in you know, a year, three years, whatever, are going to go bad? And aren't even going to make their their length of service um, valuable. So what we need to do is show them that, yes, there is a financial need, but there's also a need, you know, for why we're asking for it and how we plan to maintain it. What Mm. is it that, you know, know, I wrote in a grant one time for a training prop that basically – The fire department had an extra thousand dollars in their training budget every year that was not allocated anywhere. And the estimation was it was going to cost three hundred fifty dollars a year to maintain it. And so we wrote it into the you know into the grant. This training prop is very valuable and helps teach firefighters about you know fire behavior, fire control. Um, We have this many fires a year and we just don't have the funding to purchase it outright because of the expense up front. However, we do have the ability to maintain um, the the item because the estimated maintenance cost is $350 a year. Uh, and we have $1,000 in our training budget that is not allocated at this point. So therefore that's how we will maintain it. That makes them think, you know what, they're not just thinking about right now, they're thinking about how this is gonna have a long lasting impact on their department and makes them feel like that their money's just not going to go to waste. You're not going to buy something and put it on the shelf and never to be seen again.
0: Mm-hmm. Great stuff and really good stuff for us to think about. Uh, you know, if you're the new probe on the fire department, these are things that that impact you not only for today, but uh, your future going down the road, uh, hopefully, you know, 10, 20 years from now. Uh, and so everybody should be active in, in investing in their own fire department not only with their training and their skills and knowledge and all that stuff uh, but we do need to think about how our departments are funded the budgets and and how we can be proactive uh, uh, and not reactive about getting these grants and uh and just to make sure you're not only providing services in in north carolina right you're you're nationally probably even internationally is that correct
1: Yes, sir. We pretty much write grants for anybody that uh, uh, comes to us and asks for help. We we run the gamut from uh, doing little ad hoc services, such as reviewing uh, a proposal for somebody before they send it in, all the way up to uh, writing it for themselves. We have recently written grants for EMS for ballistic vests to um, training props for fire departments. And, and again, we've done it from uh, for a lot of different uh, departments from different states and things to that nature, so um, we just enjoyed the ability to try to help them and, and steer them in the right way and, and try to empower them through the process as well, so that they feel more comfortable with doing grants the next time, um, so that uh, they they hopefully have learned some of those tips and tricks that we use to to try to be successful.
0: Awesome, great info, and the website again is on Target Prep. .com. I want to make sure everybody hears that so they can contact you. David, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Love uh, everything that you shared. Yeah, thanks for passing on your wisdom uh, and, and your, your knowledge to everyone. And uh, how can people reach out to you? How can they contact you, uh, not only for your services, but also just to, if they have another question for you, uh, want to uh, ask you about anything that you mentioned, how can they do that? Absolutely.
1: Well, first off, it was an honor. I I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate your, uh, uh, the uh, ability to come on and share the message. Um, They can find me in a variety of places. I'm on Facebook, um, just David Hesselmeyer. The company is on Facebook as well on target preparedness. Uh, We are on LinkedIn. Um, I'm individually on there as well as the company page. Uh, You can find me uh, those two places, the most, I do occasionally mess with Twitter. I'm not as good with Twitter as I am. Facebook and such, I'm still in the learning phase, but uh, you can find me at dhesselmeyer. um, And you can email me, probably the easiest email you can use is info, I-N-F-O at ontargetprep.com. That comes straight to me. Or uh, if you want to give my name a a chance of spelling, you can reach me at dhesselmeyer at ontargetprep.com as well. Uh, but uh, pretty much I've I've learned you can Google my name and we pretty much come up somewhere somehow. So uh, we're blessed.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks again, brother, for coming on the podcast and thanks for all you have to offer. And to all those out there listening, stay fit, stay safe. And remember, when lives depend on us, success is our only option. Thanks for listening to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Go to FirefighterSuccessBook.com to learn more about the book, Firefighter Success, 20 Cs to Firefighter Excellence. At the website, you can also download the free special report, 101 Rules for Firefighter Success.